I'm Tina Tang, an equities trader turned jewelry designer turned strength coach for women over 40. This podcast is my survival guide to health over 40, where I'll share things I wish my mom had told me, and where I'll interview experts to give us guidance about aging well. Check in every week for my newest episode. Three summers ago, I stopped being able to sleep. I was visiting my parents in Maryland, and it was the first night of the visit. For some reason, I just stayed up wide awake, and it wasn't because I was stressed. Sleep just wasn't coming. Of course, I felt like shit the next day, and I was hoping that night that I would be able to fall asleep from exhaustion, and I didn't. Then the following night, I tried going to different rooms, hoping that maybe it was just a change of scenery, and again, no sleep. And now I was panicking. In exhaustion, I would catastrophize. What if I can't sleep? What if I end up getting dementia? Those are the kind of thoughts that happen in the middle of the night. Eventually, when I got back home, I continued to have little or terrible sleep. A month passed during which I researched natural remedies. I tried magnesium every night because that's what everyone says, take magnesium. That helped me for about a month and then it stopped working. Then I tried taking a strong strain of CBD oil and that too helped for about a month and then it stopped helping my sleep. At that time, I went to go see my gyno for an annual exam and I asked him, is there something that I can be doing for my insomnia? Can I take hormone therapy? His immediate reply, without even asking about my family history, hormone therapy causes cancer. You have to deal with it. No, uh, you can't take anything. So I took him for an expert, because that's what he's supposed to be. But I should have known that he knew nothing helpful about perimenopause. Because in that same appointment, he told me that my hormone levels looked fine. And that was me in the middle of a year of having no periods. So desperate for sleep, since none of the natural remedies were working, I went to see my primary care doctor. I, even though he also knew I was 49, it didn't occur to him to think that it was a symptom of perimenopause. He just prescribed Ambien, and Ambien helped. Within 30 minutes of taking it, I would get sleepy and fall asleep. So wonderful. Now, here's the problem with Ambien. You are allotted a certain amount each month before the doctor can refill the prescription. And let me tell you what it feels like to be on a limited quantity as such. If you accidentally drop your bottle and the pills spill out, you start scrounging around the floor looking under the furniture for those pink pills because those are the precious. And you realize without them, you cannot sleep. The thought process in the brain of anyone who takes Ambien, if I don't take those, I'm not sleeping tonight. I knew I had a problem. So I started to do my research. And that brought me to Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. In fact, the American College of Physicians, a well-respected association of internists, recommends CBTI as the number one go-to for insomnia before any supplements or drugs. I found a psychologist through my search on a sleep medicine directory, and I worked with the sleep psychologist for over five months. And just a side note, there are psychologists who only deal with sleep. They are specialized in it. They go to school just for sleep. This is the type of work we did together in the five months. It was a little bit of, let's see what works for you. The first was a strategy called restricted sleep. 
In this, I push back my sleep time to mimic the amount of time I'm, I haven't. I am actually sleeping in bed. So, for example, if I'm only getting five hours of sleep, then instead of lying in bed from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m., because most of us who can't sleep will try to go to bed earlier, thinking that will give us more time to sleep, but it doesn't. So. Under sleep restriction, I was to go to bed at 12 p.m. and then wake up my normal time. For me, the restricted sleep method did not work as I would sit next to my bed waiting for the time to go to the bed. In other words, I'd be a little bit too sleep obsessed and focused for that strategy to work. Then we moved on to a second common strategy that also works for many people. It's called stimulus control. In stimulus control, I would have to get out of bed anytime I was lying awake for more than 30 minutes. So as soon as you, let's say you're trying to sleep, you fall asleep or maybe you don't fall asleep. If you're in bed for more than 30 minutes wide awake, you're to get out of bed. And to get out of bed does not mean going to use your phone or a TV or an iPad. You have to get out of bed, go to a different room, either to read or listen to chill music under low light. The light has to be dim because you don't want to have any indicators for your eyes or your brain that it's time to wake up. This is removing all stimulus until you get sleepy. The idea is to go back to bed because you're sleepy and fall asleep. And eventually, both ways are training the brain to associate your bed only with sleep, not tossing and turning, but just sleep. This second strategy also did not work for me. We eventually tried a third, less common strategy, which actually worked. He had me review a book called The, S the Sleep Book by Guy Meadows, and the tactic by this doctor is something more of an Eastern philosophy. In it, I'm to notice the type of thoughts I'm having as an observer rather than getting sucked into my thoughts and practicing being present in the moment, something that you would do in meditation. While insomnia may start out hormonal or situational, ultimately it is our thoughts or our thought process that helps us find or not find sleep. And for someone who's just starting out with insomnia because of hormones, it is important to have your doctor as your ally. One of my clients told me that she hasn't slept in seven years. And I'm just laughing because I it still blows my mind. She's post-menopausal. I mean, she sleeps, but just very little. And she just recently shared with her gynecologist about her sleep issues after these seven years have passed. And her doctor prescribed a very low dose of antidepressants. And now she's been finally able to find sleep. So some people might suggest you taking supplements such as magnesium or whatever, and that might do the trick. I'm not saying that doesn't. Everybody's body is different. For example, in perimenopause, I never experienced any of those most well-known symptoms, hot flashes or night sweats. In fact, now that I'm postmenopausal, my only symptoms were irregular menstrual cycles and insomnia, which is why I never thought that I would was in perimenopause. What I'm hoping is that this story will endow upon you, one, if you're a woman in her 40s and 50s and you've noticed changes in your body or in your life that you've never experienced before, such as how it was for me, insomnia, you must consult 
your gynecologist. Two, if your gynecologist is unsympathetic or unable to help you with these symptoms that are affecting your daily life, you need to find a medical professional who can help you. And they do exist. If you're in this age group, 40s to 50s, I implore you to join my free webinar, Navigating First Steps Through Perimenopause, where we will, one, identify symptoms. Two, we will, in the webinar, create a list of local doctors who could be your ally. And three, discuss the next two crucial steps to making your perimenopause experience easier. I'll plop the link in the show notes for you to sign up, and I look forward to seeing you at the webinar. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find me on my website, ironstrongfitness.net, or follow me on Instagram at ironstrongfit. See you at the next episode.